Welcome to episode 10 of the Dog Pound Daily Podcast. I'm Stephen Kibitza. I'm joined by Andrew Seipt. Andrew, can you believe that we are at 10 episodes? Should we celebrate? I think we should definitely celebrate. Definitely I'm celebrating. Doing a fun episode. Definitely impressed by the fact that there's more and more people that listen every time. Something that I can't I, believe it. Something that I didn't think was going to happen. But uh, thank you to everyone that listens. Um, we definitely appreciate it, and it's fun to uh, <clears throat> to actually have people that pay attention to the ramblings that go on at the uh, on the Dog Pound Daily podcast. Yeah, thank both of our moms, my roommate Brandon, <laughs> uh, me. Refreshing the page, but let's get into it. It's kind of slow here as June begins and summer is almost officially here. We have some signings. Christian Kirksey. I don't think when we did our last episode that Miles Garrett was signed yet, but he is now. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the. I think Kaiser's the only one that's not signed. And Kaiser Peppers, Peppers too, and Joku, right? Oh, and Joku. That's the other one. Yeah, it's kind of weird how the Browns do contracts. Like I remember last year, they kind of start with the. Like the seventh rounders and almost well, those are the easy ones. Up. Yeah, you would think. I mean, it's all pretty much easy now. The only thing that really holds up contracts now are the um, that offset language. That's that. That's what uh, held Bosa out for so long because yeah. he just didn't. I guess offset language is a huge deal. So yeah, it's all, uh, everyone wants their money, and you know, well, either no way, you're going to love the money. game like the 1940s, good old days. Yeah, exactly. But I, I'm. I mean, I think everyone should get their fair value. Yeah, and I agree. As a casual segue, <laughs> Brock Osweiler is a player who is getting more salary over his fair deserves. value, <laughs> reaching the Kirk Cousins territory. Uh, and people, I mean, people are okay with paying Brock sixteen million a year, but would be upset at throwing twenty at Jimmy. I don't get it. Well, I mean, the Brock contract—it's interesting. I want to talk about it because it's such a weird situation. He, I mean, it's tough to say he may not be on the team week one because in March when it happened, everyone was like, oh, no big deal. He's going to be traded. But the Browns never explicitly said that. I mean, it seems like they were trying. Oh, I think they definitely wanted to. I just don't think there was anybody willing to take him. So even regardless of how much salary they were going to eat, I didn't, I I had a hard time believing that someone was going to take on like even $6 million of his contract to get to that RG3 type veteran contract in exchange for certain draft picks. Like it, it just, it, it almost seemed like they were wishing that that would happen versus something actually being there. So, yeah. I mean, I think it helps having him on the roster. I, I think with the way the Browns go through quarterbacks, it, it's definitely not easy to, uh, to have, or it's, it's definitely a good thing to have too many, you know? So I don't know. I, <sighs> I just don't. I don't think he could play football. To me, <laughs> I mean, he. So I look at. The, I mean, the good things about him, he's pr- probably only going to be here on a one-year situation because his contract is just guaranteed through this year, and I don't think the Browns are going to pay him this much again next year. What happens? They either he go- restructure it to the point where he got next to nothing, or I mean, but why keep him around? So he's getting. He's on this one-year kind of deal with the Browns, where he's trying to prove himself for other teams. But it'd be hard to imagine him starting. Unless there's injuries, because he's not in the team's plans at all. Yeah, from what I read, that he looked he looks pretty decent in practice, but again, it's practice, so I don't put too much stock into it. Just like I don't put too much stock in the fact that Kaiser's uh, on the fast track to being the week one starter. Um, I think that's a good idea to to see how much Kaiser can truly handle at this stage. But if you're a guy like Brock, I mean, I, I don't know how 
it, it was that it, it, what really set me back to with Brock Osweiler was kind of the way he reacted to the uh, the kind of the questions about last year and whether or not he could be a starting quarterback. I think. Del- oh, I loved it. Yeah, do you love the question or the answer or both? I loved his answers. Yeah, I mean, trust me, people were killing Doug Lamarise for the question, but I don't think it was a bad question at all. It's a great question. The fact that I think Brock took it a little defensively versus. Um, kind of embracing it and being like, you know what? Yeah, I did play. Like last year is not a good way to look at how I'm able to play. I should like I can play better than that, and I know that I'm better than what was on the film last year. I think that's a much better answer than being defensive. Yeah, but and, you know he gets pestered all the time. Yeah, but you're a quarterback. And it gets to a man. point where you're just like you got to have I thick am. skin. Got to have thick skin. He's. I mean, I, he, I think it was more of a confidence thing. He's like, pr- there's proof. In the film. There's not though. I mean, he he came out almost like Trevor Bauer, like when he gave up five runs that one that one game, and was like, "Oh well, if you look at like I put every pitch where I wanted it to be, like they just hit him." And I'm like, "Well, I, I get that, but you still gave up six runs in X amount of innings. You know, it's not a good performance." So I, it, it's almost like not having the self awareness that you need to to address the fact that yeah, you played crappy, and people are going to talk to you about it. So what are you going to do? to make them think that you're a better quarterback than what you've shown on film. You know, it's not, it's, it's, it's just not even him helping though, his cause. He's in a town or on a team that has no intention of making him like part of the future plans. So for him, it's almost tough. Cause he's like, they're almost asking him, are you a starter? I'd say for other teams, but you can, but you can make a, uh, but you can make the starting roster. Like it, it if he's going to be a starting quarterback, he can play well, and the Browns will play him. The Brown, if he's a good quarterback, the Browns are not not going to play him. You know, so if you're Brock Osweiler, make like go out and show that you can play, and you could start for the franchise that's never had a starting quarterback. If you can't start for the Browns, then what does that really say for you about as a quarterback? You know, it, it, this is his is really his last shot because if, if you're not. If you can't play for the Browns, then what are you doing? I mean, that team, we haven't had a quarterback for since Bernie Kosar. And I mean, it's his last shot for the kind of deal he got last year. But, I mean, you even look at guys like Ryan Fitzpatrick, whose cycle goes from kind of kick to the curb, is a backup, does well, giant contract, repeat. And with the quarterback market being so thin, you look at what Mike Glennon got, I mean – Unbelievable. I don't even know if Brock has to start here to get another chance, like a good chance to prove himself again. Because if he just, if he gets through this year, doesn't play, goes to another team, has like a decent year, he can get a Glennon type deal. Yeah. And I think as a competitor, obviously, you don't want to get a deal like that. You want to play in the league for as long as you can. But I just, if someone wanted him as a backup, I mean, they take him as a backup. And I think the Browns. Ultimately, we'll hang on to him as a backup as long uh, until Kaiser proves that he's either ready to take over that role or um, maybe I mean maybe they just keep him on keep him in dress clothes for uh, the whole season. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. But if you got a guy like Brock there that's not causing any damage um, in the quarterback room or in the locker room, kind of like some of the rumblings we heard in Houston, um, he's obviously a good a good backup to have. But it's just one of those things where. You never know how a guy's going to react, like you said, with the fact that he really has no, um, really no future with the team. Yeah, and it's it's really tough because 
I mean, he doesn't seem like a guy who's going to have a bad attitude and mope around because... He did that in Houston, I though. mean, he knows... He still has to prove himself. He got in fights with Bill O'Brien because... Well, Bill O'Brien... I mean... Well... Bill O'Brien is... So I this is... I, I, I don't think he's as... He's like walking around like, oh, I've developed quarterbacks. Like, he coached Tom Brady, which involves, like, good work, Tom. I mean, so it, the, the way I took um, all those, those kind of rumblings and, and how I think it played out, and I could be totally off base, but this is just where my thought process lies. Some of the rumblings were that it was, like, after a meeting, like, that Bill kind of got into it with Brock, and there was almost like a shoving match. And what I... F- I think that was when... Um, Savage got hurt, and then he's like, all right, Brock, you're back in the yeah, game. It's, it's almost like... And he's like, you don't want me out there, so why am I going out it, there? It's it, it immature, yeah. but you don't know if Bill O'Brien was like being... And that's what I'm saying, you know. too. Like, There's obviously some sort of tension that's building from somewhere. So it, I almost tend to think, like, even with the response that he got from Doug's criticism of the fact that he doesn't... Or why he thinks he's a starting quarterback, it almost leads me to believe that like, maybe in the, the film room or when they're going over... Um, like a previous game or something that Brock not, doesn't necessarily agree with that he's confrontational with his coach. So it, it, it's just just a strange situation, and he may not be that way at all. Um, from everything that I've read out of Berea, he's been great to have around. So I don't know. Just I, I just don't think he can play football, and that's why I didn't want him to begin with, but I'll take a second-round pick. Yeah, I think – it's probably easier to be happy around here too because Hugh Jackson passes off some great vibes. And when the team was as bad as it was last year, everyone's going to be optimistic. So he shows up and they're like, "Oh wow, how are the playoffs?" And he's like, "Oh, let me tell you about those playoffs." Come here. And he's kind of he's like the only one in the quarterback room with like real experience. Why don't you come here and sit on my uh, six foot nine knee, <laughs> giant lap. Imagine him. Yeah, I mean he's. They say he he's essentially the leader. The, yeah, the they were saying that <clears throat> he, he towers over his offensive line and that he has, like, no mobility in the pocket because it's – I mean, how, how – if you're six – what is he? He's 6'8", right? That's insane. I believe how so. You can, how, and Paxton Lynch can run like that, but Brock is not Paxton Lynch. That's a very interesting statement you just made. Brock, that's why there's no Paxton Lynch. I was Lynch. very good at the, uh, the algebra proofs in, uh, in math class. Like the substitutive, I don't even remember. Transitive, yeah, transitive very, method. Sounds like you were very good uh, at no, those. I was terrible, actually. <laughs> I was, I was, geot- oh, it was trig. I think it was trigonometry. That was my least favorite. Algebra, I was good at. It was trigonometry and geometry that I was not good at. Te- like, terrible. Miss Russell's math class. Whew. That was rough. Wow. Jeez. It was a rough time, Great, man. Uh... Eighth grade. Eighth grade's a tough time in a young boy's life. That's true, but I feel like it's not maybe relevant not for, to maybe, this. maybe not for those reasons or to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I mean, b- back to bro. You want to talk more about my childhood? Not- uh, <laughs> we've got a phone <laughs> dialing number here. Give us a call. We'll be on the but, rest of the night. I mean, I, I know you are. You said several times in the past ten minutes that you don't think Brock Osweiler can quote play football. Yes, that is that is correct. <laughs> Is that is that am, that am is I correct, correct on that? Yes. No further questions. No, but I mean, it's easy in the off season to be like, oh, he stinks. Kessler and Kaiser are better, but it's the Browns we're talking about. So, Stephen, he may be needed. Steven, so, the reason I think Brock Osweiler cannot play football 
Is the proof in the film? Yes. Because he's coming from a team that had a top five defense, a stud running back in Lamar Miller, a stud wide receiver in DeAndre Hopkins, plus Braxton Miller and Will Fuller, who early on Will Fuller was like a rookie of the year candidate. Everyone was salivating over him in fantasy football. I mean, that is the recipe for a quarterback to go in and play average football and can win games. And Brock did that. But there were times, like that team is a 12-4 and four team if Deshaun Watson goes in there and just has even Cody Kessler numbers last year. I will say this. Brock Osweiler didn't throw for over 300 yards in one game last year, and that is concerning. That's terrible. 15 touchdowns, 16 interceptions. If I wanted to watch RG3 type numbers play, I mean, that's that's what you're getting. And we, even Cody Kessler, I mean, he, he did he really have a game where he threw for 300 yards? I think it was Miami, right? That first game he threw. Yeah, I believe so. And so that's that's the kind of pushing the ball that we need to see. We we can't afford to keep having these three and out. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll run it on first down, then pass for second down, and do the Pat Shermer run a route that doesn't get you a first down play call. There was so much of that last year where the offense would get on the field after a a long touchdown by the other team, or even a quick touchdown for that matter. And the offense goes three and out and you're like, well, give it right back to them and they'll, they'll make it 14, nothing. And I think the defense will help with parts of that. But at some point you've got to get someone that can pinpoint those deep out routes or just be able to make a throw downfield that makes you go, wow, I haven't seen that ever, you know, since Brian Hoyer. Yeah, I said it. Brian Hoyer. Since Brian Hoyer. Now, I agree. I think ultimately it's going to be Kessler's year to prove he can do that. And if he can't, Uh, you got Kaiser Wayne. But I want to bring up something about Kessler I saw recently. (laughs) No, no, no prediction yet. It's it's too early. I'm just saying my my upset pick is that Kaiser wins the job either within the first three weeks of the season. That's what I saw. Mary Kay Cabot was writing about that. I don't think it's. I mean, I haven't read that article yet, but I, I heard something about it and. I just think that I, I, mean, I wrote an article on the fact that I think Kaiser should play week one. And if, if they see enough from him in training camp that that gives you like his upside is way more than Kessler, to be honest with you. And, and I think they yeah. can afford to go through some growing pains this year to find out if he can be if he can be a big time quarterback, because then you can either trade out of that spot. If, if there's a guy there, like if, if you think Kaiser's your franchise guy, I still don't think you pass up on a Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen guy at number one. But at least it gives you the idea to say. Maybe maybe we trade out or or and pick up a guy later or something like that because we think Kaiser could be the guy for at least the next three years. Wait, you think the Browns are going to have the number one pick? They could. Hey, what I had them going five well, and could. eleven. I don't think they will. I don't think they're going to be that. They bad. might. I uh, know. I, I don't think they'll don't be know. one in fifteen. Isaiah Crowell said they're going to shock the world. And that's the thing. I I I hate being optimistic with this team because I've been let down so many times. But it's. It's one of those years where I'm like, I just see some of the energy that comes out of there, like Hugh Jackson. Like when Mike Pettin was going into his second year, was there any like, like the feeling was just like, ugh, like what is going on? It was dark. Johnny's in rehab. Josh Gordon suspended. You're like, I'm not confident in this team at all. They just lost five games in a row to seal themselves out of the playoffs. It's like there's nothing to look forward to. And even after a 1-15 season, I almost get that feeling that, Maybe this is the start of a turnaround, and I'll just have to wait for the football gods to smack me upside the head and 
put me back to earth. It's almost just even the just the positive messages from Hugh Jackson and Sashi Brown that lacked in the past. It was almost offensive, like you got to leave the drafting to us. Sashi Brown will come out and explain the decisions and offer up clarification and be professional. Mm-hmm. And Hugh Jackson is there, always being positive. He's never gonna. I mean, when when Hugh Jackson is negative, it's almost like it's not even negative. He's well, like he's not sad. negative. He just doesn't. Like yeah. he, it's almost like he's kind of like how he's gone out of his way to not say anything nice about Brock Osweiler. Yeah. You know, it's just, he doesn't, he's not going to come. He's like Terry Francona. He's not going to come out and say that one of his players is bad or doing something wrong or he's, yeah, he's a traditional he's, coach. Yeah, he's going to keep it in house and that's how it should be. But yeah, it's the optic. We talk about it all the time, but I think Hugh brings the, it starts with him bringing the optimism and hopefully it works out. But I want to ask you about an article I read recently. It was on ESPN.com. And it was explaining how Cody Kessler ate the same food every day for three months, with only a few exceptions. Could you eat the same food? Not just one. It was like mm-hmm. three meals, but different foods. But could you do that yeah. for three months? I, I mean, I, I think it's... I, I actually would want to do that. I mean, I've tried. When, when Kate and I were um, doing our eating healthy thing it was almost like that it was i mean i didn't do it for three months but i did it i like it. when we were doing that <laughs> thing healthy. no it was like healthy I mean, made a veggie shake in the morning and then had either i had something small for lunch and then something small for dinner it's like once you get into a routine of it and you have those things available it's easy to do and i i prefer that because i'm just a routine oriented person so so you're saying like yeah. every day you're like, oh, it's almost turkey sandwich time. You could do that without if getting had, bored of the turkey sandwich. If my job was to just work out and, and learn football as a quarterback and play and go and throw routes to receivers and practice all day, I would have no problem doing that. But it's the. But what if, like, what if you're driving and you see that there's a new Canes location? And you're like, I just, I was about to make this turkey sandwich, but there's a new Cane's location. I would just, and I gotta see if the chicken tastes. I would just go get some Cane's sauce and put it on the, put it on my turkey. <laughs> just, just a to, tub. Just to dunk the whole thing in there. Hi, can I get all your Cane's sauce? A, I'm on a diet. Like a liter, a liter of cane sauce. See, I saw that and I was like, I don't know if I could do that. Plus, I can't really cook. So it'd be like I'm eating chicken every day, but it's like kind of poorly cooked. And I love seasoned. meal prep. I mean. It's a pain in the butt to do, but like if you've got, if you can make sure, like part of it, part of the issue is just some of that stuff just goes bad, you know, and you have to literally stick to it every day. And my job, I don't, I don't have too much of a routine for the most part. Like it kind of varies every morning. So, I mean, but if I was in an office job, I would totally, I mean, it's just a routine. I, I could totally do that, I think. And it, it's, it's a good thing. Like if you got, if you're out there thinking about starting to eat healthy, I would totally, totally recommend it you sleep better you, you feel better everything's great but i've just been really lazy with it the last three months i find eating healthy is fun on oh, paper very much so very much because you're like oh you're gonna mm-hmm. feel better but i feel good when i eat but canes, if there's so. a new chipotle or canes location those they make I me feel really it. good too just not afterward like sometimes there's people working out and other times you just want to be just the thing is like, around. you don't have to work out it's just like, I mean, working out helps. Like, walk, you just need to like no, walk. You just, I mean, if eighty percent of your diet and losing weight, or eighty percent of losing weight is just going to be your diet, because if you can control the calories that you're taking in, you're going to burn naturally like twenty two thousand calories a day, right? Twenty five. I don't know. 
22,000 no, 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 no. calories 20, a day? I, I almost said 20, <laughs> and then I was like, 22. Did I say 22,000? Oh, that's yeah. on the record. <laughs> I'm like, if you're burning no. 22,000 calories, 20, you're either an elephant. And that's even a low number, probably. It's just... You heard it here. 20, I'm burning 22,000 22, calories, calories a day. Doing nothing. Just eating salad. Just sitting in a hot room all day with my heart rate. Am I in a sauna? But, yeah, I saw that article, and I immediately was horrified. And, and it's crazy. It's like 6 a.m. almonds. I'm like... 6 a.m.? Who's up to eat at 6 a.m.? I, I think I text you. Apparently I text Cody you every Kessler. morning from the bathroom like 6 a.m. when I'm in my... I know. And what the problem is with these early texts is I wake mm-hmm. up and see it, and then I forget <laughs> that it happened, and 12 hours later I go, oh, no. He's going to think I'm well, ghost. Half the time it's a Snapchat from you at like 2 a.m. doing whatever you're doing, and then it's me up at 6. Like, Well, I will say this. Last night I did Snapchat you at 2 in the morning. I was watching... The Browns versus the Falcons, Week 17, 2002. <laughs> but I wanted you, I figured you should know. I'm, I'm doing yeah, research. Yeah, I mean, we, it's not. I don't. I think we I need never to brush up on our early 2000s entirety. Browns. Our mid 2000s Browns are pretty good. Solid. Quincy Morgan, Andre Davis, those guys. Those are the cool, cool guys. Antonio Bryant. Yeah, I just needed to do some research, and I had to let you know because if I, I couldn't just tell anyone. That That's I was because so no one would get. I can't share it on Facebook. You guys remember this game? Michael Vick was really had a horrible game. Be like, well, was that two thousand two? Dude, it's so boring right now for football. I just want the chaos to start. <laughs> I know. I've been waiting for the finals for so like I'm going to Vegas for games two, three, and four, and I couldn't be more excited. I will say this. I ask you a question: Are you going to put any Browns over under? Bets while in Vegas. I think, I isn't it like four and a half wins? Yeah, I should put money on five because that put was like my prediction $2,000. $2,000. So when they start 0-10, you're like, oh, I'm gonna no. freak out, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll put 2000 I might divide that by 100000 Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't make that mistake at the betting window. I'd like to bet 200000 Oh, God. Here's Sir. my card. Well, I have six dollars so you'll bet if it's four and a half you'll take the over yeah I, I i don't think i i'll for this podcast i'll say that i will but when it comes down to it betting on the browns is like throwing money at nothing let me ask you another just, betting theme question if there mm-hmm. were such a prop bet that said brock osweiler will start over under two and a half games this year which would you take over really yeah you think he's gonna start three games I think just everyone gets hurt, man. Browns quarterbacks just get hurt. Who do you think is going to start week 17? You know, it's one of those things. Uh, just there's, <laughs> Kevin there Hogan? hasn't been a Browns quarterback to play 16 games in a season in a long Since time. Since Tim Couch. Yeah. So I, if I was a betting man, two and a half games, you give me three games with Bro- – if it was three games with anybody – other than Cody Kessler, I would take it in a heartbeat. Would you with do, Brock Osweiler, would you do seven and a half – no. Kaiser and take the over. No. I'd take the under. So you think it's going to be kind of a mashup of Kessler, Brock, and Kaiser? Well, it depends. I mean, if Kaiser's not ready to start, obviously he's not going to be the number two quarterback either, you know. So if Brock's back there, Cody, it, it, it just depends on how well Kaiser would be prepared come training camp, you know. 
if, if, if they're comfortable enough with him that he knows the offense and that he can run it seamlessly without really any rest- or even limited restrictions, kind of like how Kessler was on the playbook, then great. Then you have really no need for Brock Osweiler. It but, is crazy with Kaiser because physically he's clearly the best option. Yeah. It's just a matter of like it, he is young. I mean, he's a rookie and you have to like kind of weigh the pros and cons of, do we want to start a rookie when we're trying to establish any stability? But the thing is like teams like, and I understand he was drafted in the third round, but teams like Tampa Bay and teams like, Oh, that's right. Teams like Tampa Bay, teams like Tennessee, teams like Oakland. I mean, all these teams that the Browns want to emulate their rebuild around are starting quarterbacks early. Russell Wilson, and, too. Yeah, I, and I don't think it's because they're not ready. I think that it, as an NFL rookie, you have some sort of cognitive ability to recognize a playbook. You know, it's, it's not and rocket science. And that's all they're doing. Yeah, and that's if your job is literally to go in there and try to understand this playbook, you've got people at your disposal trying to teach you or trying to relate it in a way that you'll understand. And, and also, so these if guys, if you're drafted as an NFL quarterback, you have, like you said, it's like some crazy ability to just take that in. Me and you would look at it and be like, I have no idea what, what I'm looking yeah, at. We, you've been around football your whole life. It's It's not like defenses are uncommon. I mean, obviously, things get more complex at that level, but if you've just paid attention – to football, like as you've been playing, you should have some sort of ability to understand the game and what to expect as an NFL quarterback. Now, whether it comes down to your off time and how you spend your off time, whether it's studying your playbook or or in Vegas dressed in as Billy Manziel, yeah, <laughs> or dressed as Billy Manziel is up to you. And that's where that's what separates the good quarterbacks from the bad. So you look at a guy like Cody Kessler; he's first in, last out. I mean, that's that's the kind of attitude that that you need to have as a starting quarterback. And I think I, I hope he plays well. I, I just think there's some physical limitations that'll give the angst for Kaiser a little bit more fuel. Yeah. I was reading in that kid, same, sticking with Kessler. in that same article about his diet, it said he gained strength and arm strength without really having a lift because of the food he was eating. So perhaps his arm strength improves. Yeah. It and, probably helped you know, with his lower body too. He's not you know? going to be throwing Aaron Rodgers 70 yard Hail Marys, but if he can just, be solid yeah it helps with mechanics too i mean sometimes you you find yourself yeah I, I think i read an excerpt saying that he found himself not really or just using more of his lower body versus more upper body which is what he was doing last year and it's like even little tweaks like that can can make such a difference in your mechanics so i, I think he's gonna do well um i hope he can just win some games that's all i'm looking for out of cody kessler honestly yeah it doesn't matter if he can just win games and not turn the ball over yeah, and, he doesn't and need that's to throw a tall for task, 300 yards. Just just keep us in the game, and when it comes down to making a crucial third down or we're Don't in the red sacked. zone, we need a touchdown versus a field goal, not throwing in a Tony Romo interception or you know, just making the right plays as a quarterback that put your team in position to win versus making the plays that separate you as a bad team from a, a, con- a playoff contender. Man. Or it's, even that middling 8-8 eight eight Minnesota Viking curse i'd be fine with one eight and eight year i'll be honest yeah, maybe two hey, hell i'd take three at this point <laughs> the worst part though and the thing i don't get about the nfl and this happens with even coaches for the most part aside from like the patriots and the spurs it's almost like like i think the best example was andy reed going to four straight nfc championships not winning any of them but then getting fired well he won one right 
Well, and they went, yeah, they went to the Super Bowl once. They lost to the Pats like an 05 but, like, or something. They were like, he was always known for being that coach who could never get you over the hump. Marty Schottenheimer, another one. I, I just don't understand why. And, and I get that there's a certain like complacent factor that people get. Like, especially players, you know, you're like, if you've played on the team for all four of those years, you're like, oh, like this, we've done this four years in a row. Like I'm done. You know, we, I, you, you just can't, you can only follow someone for so long, but yeah, you lose the locker room at a certain point. Yeah. But that, and that's, it's so sad because Andy Reid's such a good coach. Look what he's doing in Kansas city. I bet still Philly, can't get over the hump there. Yeah. And it, it's just. And sometimes, you know, they're going to, there's going to come a time where Kansas city will get tired of it and they'll try to hire a new coach. And sometimes it, most of the time it doesn't work out in a good way. And so like Cincinnati's another example with Marvin Lewis. I mean, they've just been the same forever. They get in the first round, they lose, but if you're the owner, you can't not be happy with that. But as a player, you've got to be frustrated because you, you hear the same song and dance over and over and over from the coach it just starts to lose a little bit of its luster. Yeah, and even if he gives you like a pep talk and you've been on the team for seven years, you're like, is this really going to change anything? Mm-hmm. And that's it. It's hard to believe that a guy like Bill Belichick too, or Popovich, you know, it's not like they're not guys that are instilling that like well, that's infectious almost like a philosophy that their team well, is under. Yeah, like you, you have Pete Carroll, who's like your big cheerleader, Jim Harbaugh, another cheerleader type coach. Versus a Bill Belichick who's all strategy, you know, no but no nonsense. But like, it's I'm curious to find out how he gets his message across to his players because it's like he's not a he's not a flamboyant guy. Yeah, we know like Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson's one of those guys that's like, I mean, he's gonna he's gonna tell it like it is, but he's gonna also hype you up to be. Like, he's gonna give you confidence, like that little bit of swagger, and like it, it's just a cool attitude to have as a head coach. But I feel like. It's just like part of those acts that'll that'll ride thin if you if you end up staying complacent for more than a couple of years. No, I agree. Um, as kind of a little wrap up here, I want to ask you a prediction question. Mm. Will Hugh Jackson be the head coach here in 2019, regardless of the next two years outcomes, or does he need yeah. to have a win? Like good season this year I think there's got to be I think there's got to be improvement I mean I think we talked about a little bit in the yeah if they go like 0-16 then that's I mean even if you're looking at a 3-13 and season the things that I'm looking for are like similar to what Jacksonville did in 2015 with Blake Bortles um they they were 5-11 and I believe after that year but every single game was like the offense was putting up big numbers you know there was there was optimism stemming from the quarterback position he threw a lot of interceptions but everyone was like oh if he cuts down on those you know like we're in good shape the defense hope yeah you know it it kind of puts you in that position for next year like all right let's and obviously it didn't work out this time it didn't work out but even the year like similar to what oakland did oakland put in Derek carr you know had a i think what did they they lost their first six right that year that first year they went on 10 i think because they won that thursday night game Oh, that's right. So they, I mean, they went zero and ten, and then they come back. You know, they have bad years, but there's still positives that you can take from it. And while last year was a real big negative, I'm sure there's some positives that they took from it, albeit not many. But there's got to be a point where, as an organization, you're seeing improvement from the people that you've put in place versus just nothing happening. Like like Mike Patton, there was no improvement at all. Yeah, he kind of lost that team after they 
started their losing streak. I don't know. And that's where I, I, I always have that problem with quarterbacks is like, you've got a guy in Brian Hoyer, so make Johnny your backup and stick with it. That's it. Yeah, you don't see the Saints like benching Drew Brees. No. And and I, I get that Brian Hoyer's not a franchise guy, but the worst thing they could have done was, one, open that up to a quarterback competition that first year. Mid-season. And, yeah, and then mid-season, swap everything out. You're like, just ride with what got you there. And it, that that was not necessarily Patton's fault, more Farmer's fault, but ugh, I'm ready to move on from that. Yeah, I'm sure Kyle Shanahan wasn't really calling for Manziel. No. No. It, it's, it's irrelevant now, but... Yeah, I don't want to talk about it. Need one winning anymore. season so we never have to talk about that year again. Yes, very much so. Just like the Cavs winning or LeBron coming back made me forget about Samardo Samuels and Donald never Sloan. Never forget and, about Samardo Samuels. Oh my god. Donald man. Sloan. He looked like Samardo Samuels I thought was honestly a fan that they picked out of the crowd to come play power forward for the for the Cavs. He could have been. He he might as well have been. It Where is unbelievable. Smart, how when, did they have those that many players that just did, even on the LeBron teams? Like, how did they have that many players that were just bad basketball? Look at the players? Browns. It's like, how is this guy in the NFL? He's going to get hurt. Ira Nubel, Sasha Pavlovich, Danielle Marshall. You're making me oh. nostalgic now. I still remember though. Remember when Booby Gibson hit those threes in that Game Six against Detroit? That was awesome. I was I was in that state. I was in my basement, and the worst part is that like I was I think I was doing like jumping jacks or something. They started to come back, and so like I didn't. Why were you doing jumping jacks? I don't know. I was just nervous, so I didn't want to like. I thought you were just like doing them for some other project. No, I just do CrossFit in my in my spare time. Back in twenty two thousand, what was that twenty two two thousand eight? That was I don't even know what year that was. Seven nine maybe. Seven. I don't know. Yeah, but I was like I was afraid to stop doing them because. The, the the Cavs would stop scoring almost as like it's almost like when you're playing baseball or you're like watching a baseball game and you leave the room and they score and you're like ah stay in stay in the other room they scored while you weren't there see I don't do that I'm selfish so <laughs> superstition but, but yes we, question for you to wrap it up how many Browns quarterbacks are we going to see on the field this year in 2017 like in real time or just in general yeah in the game how many <laughs> Excuse me, how many... Um, the question almost killed me. <laughs> how many Browns quarterbacks are going to make a start for the Browns this year? Oh, a start. Okay. Yeah, so not I mean, just like, like garbage How many time. are you going to see in action? I mean, we saw... How many quarterbacks did we see last year in action total? I think six if you count prior, but I don't really count prior. All right, so five. So last year was five. How many do you think this year they'll have? I'm going to say three. I'll say Kessler, Osweiler, Kaiser... I think in like maybe I think Kessler's gonna I do think Kessler's gonna win the job, but his health is an issue, and I think Kaiser's gonna get some. Maybe if it's like a blowout, maybe Come some get reps. some. And then Brock, I, think, I don't know, yeah. wild card. <laughs> I don't know. I'm gonna go with two because I think Kaiser's gonna win the job um, after Kessler or over Kessler in like week three ish, maybe even earlier. I think Kaiser will be the starter before week three. Wow. That's my what if the Browns prediction. come out and beat the Steelers 55 nothing week one? That'd be crazy. <laughs> Miles Garrett has four touchdowns. Fine. This is why I like talking about the Browns. They just drafted an amazing defensive end, and we're talking about Brock Osweiler. I hope that never changes. 
Never change. Hey, until we find a quarterback, we'll be here talking about him. So we won't we won't leave this spot. That'll keep giving us witty banter for the the Dog Pound Daily podcast. So as long as the Browns quarterbacks don't play well, we'll still have a uh, a platform. Indeed, and we are now at the conclusion of our tenth episode. Woo. We are probably going to take next week off as we took the last week off um, for Andrew's yeah, I don't know if you Billy Manziel uh, Vegas trip. Yeah, I, I'm going to come in Thursday, you know, not even know what day it is, like bring my recording stuff and just. All right, I'm at the Bellagio. What, what are we talking about? Yeah. I'm here live. I see Johnny Manziel, actually. <laughs> Jeez. So, but yeah, episode yeah, 10, I'm very fun. excited that we reached that point, this point. Um, and no turning back now. Yeah, we have to do an 11 and a 12. Yeah, hopefully by the time we do our next one, more good news will continue to come out as training camp approaches. I'm sure there'll be some crazy quarterback reports. Yep. We just got to keep locking for a quiet. That's all we need to do. Yeah, we got to keep him out of the news. But thank you for listening to the Dog Pound Daily Podcast.